Take your Bible and let's go to 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I've had a good week this week. I have really enjoyed myself. The Lord's dealt with my heart about some things and gotten my heart right. I've been listening to a lot of preaching this week. And so I, the Lord has really helped me out. So let me say a couple of things as we get started this morning. We as a church, whether you recognize it or not, I don't, I don't know whether you feel this way or not, but I, I feel it, and it might be just largely me, we've kind of slumped down into a little state, state of apathy. We've kind of gotten a little lethargic, and some of that's probably because I've been teaching through Ephesians both on Sunday night and Wednesday night, which I'm not sorry for. I believe that's exactly what the Lord has wanted me to do. But anytime you go through and you teach, you throw out a lot of teaching, people begin to eat and they begin to soak up. And it's just like when you're sitting down at the dinner table, you eat and you eat and you eat and your belly swells up and you kind of start moving real slow. Somebody's got to bring in a wheelbarrow and cart you around. So that's kind of what the temperature has gotten in here. You know, preachers say something and things kind of, it's not that I don't, I don't, of course, let me not say that. But that's what the temperature is. So I, I don't, to just be frank with you, that's not the kind of atmosphere, that's not the kind of climate that I'm trying to induce in this church. You say, well, that's kind of carnal. Well, you take it however you want to take it. I'm not interested in preaching to wooden Indians. Now, if you're going to be a wooden Indian, I'll preach to you anyway. I'm not going to be offended by that. So it, it's okay, it really is. But, but nonetheless, I'm going to try to uh, charge you. I'm going to try and stir you up. And I want to try and start that process this morning. I want to try and give you something that will help you. Uh, everything that was true 300 years ago is still true today. Everything that was true two years ago when I first took the church is still true today. Amen. And so we're going to just preach the Word of God and, and just go right along as we have been doing. The Lord will lead us through places where He wants us to to teach and to get people established. And then there's times where the Lord will want us to go through and just preach the truth, let the chips fall where they may, let people make up their own minds. And I, I'll tell you this, I'm for you making up your mind for the Lord. Right, yeah. Amen. I'm interested in you making up your mind to go in the right way. Yeah. Now listen, I, I'll tell you this, if, if, teaching, if, if teaching is what you're really comfortable around, but a preacher standing up and really preaching straight and preaching what they call quote-unquote hard, which I, I use that term myself, but I really just don't believe it's hard preaching. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. So as far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing technically, in a technical sense, there is no such thing as hard preaching. There's just true preaching. And then there's false preaching. That's whether the fellow stands up and he's rip, raking you over the coals and he's ripping your face off, quote unquote, or whether the fellow is taking the scripture line by line and jabbing you with it every time you turn around, either way, it's straight preaching. It, that's hard preaching. I've heard some preachers preach in a way that might make you really wonder, my soul, who's this guy been in contact with? Man, he's raking me over the coals. And I enjoy it. I love that kind of preaching. But anyways, what all, what all that was for, I'm not really sure. But I will tell you, that's the kind of preaching that I like. I just like true, true, true preaching. Amen. 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 So you might be a little bit asleep this morning, but we're going to try and start the process of waking you up today. A lot of folks are out this morning, some folks sick, some folks I'm not sure about what's going on, but be praying for them. And then let me say this, when you come to church, when you come to church, I'm just going to say this, when you come to church, remember that this is a church. This is not a honky-tonk, this is not a bar, this is not a place where you come to feel good, although I hope you get your heart right with the Lord, and I hope you do feel good when you walk away, getting your heart right with God. But this is not a place to shake your ear in, and this is not a place for you to be immodest, this is not a place for you to look ridiculous. Uh, you know, it, it's funny, it's funny, people, people make the statement, they make the statement, I just don't want to feel so out of place, and yet people do things that make them be out of place. You've got to stop and think about that. You've got to stop and think, I'm just trying to find where I fit in. Well, the more ridiculous you act or the more ridiculous you conduct yourself, you're not going to fit in. And that's not the fault of the rest of the people who say, you just don't fit in with us. That's your fault. Now, I will say that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't fit in with this world. 
And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. We're going to preach about choosing better friends. Amen. Choosing better friends. Some folks try to fit in with the wrong people. I tried to preach a message on the radio. By the way, our radio broadcast went out, first one this morning, so be praying about that. It's already over. Of course, I didn't listen to it. But nonetheless, I, I already know what the fellow preached on. So. But anyways, uh, I tried to preach a message. I didn't end up preaching it, but I just didn't feel like that was the direction that the Lord was leading. But I tried to preach out of Genesis chapter 4. This is the message before the message, by the way. I tried to preach out of Genesis chapter 4 uh, about, I've been, I've been, let me stop, pause the message before the message and make this statement. I've been trying to be very time conscious about my preaching. And I'm going to just tell you this morning, I'm not trying this morning. I'm not going to be time conscious. I'm going to just preach until the Lord tells me you're done. Okay, so I hope you didn't put no lasagna in the oven. I got stuff in the crock pot, brother Spike's got stuff in the crock pot. Of course, I didn't put it there. I don't know about Brother Spike. I don't know if he put his in there. Did he? Really? Praise the Lord, man. Brother Spike's going to make a good housewife one day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I probably shouldn't make that statement in this society. Man, you never know. Brother Spike is a man, all right, just so we understand that. Amen. He, he gave a good amen. But uh, where was I going with all this? Oh, yeah, but I was trying to make a comment before the message, before the message. Anyways, we'll get back to the message before the message. I was trying to preach about Cain and Abel and how that God rejected Cain's offering. God turned it away. And the Bible says that the statement that was made is that God had not respect. He didn't have respect. And that's what everybody's hollering about, especially men these days, wherever the men are, because they're all sissies. But not all of them. Thank God there are still some men left. But for the most part, our society is just a society filled with sissies. That's the way it rolls. But nonetheless, everybody wants respect. They, I just want you to respect me. And then he goes on down later and says it's acceptance. God didn't, God didn't accept it. Hey, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. A lot of people want to be accepted and they want to be well respected in society, but they don't want to do what's required to be respected. Or what's required to, to do to be accepted. And that's not the rest of society's fault. Amen. That's yours. Yes, and so you've got to get your mindset. It's not a thing of conforming. It's not a thing of, oh, I'm just going to do this so that everybody will be pleased with me. It's a thing for us as Christians. It's a thing of figuring out, how do I be accepted by God? And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get saved. That's the first thing you've got to do. And then after that, you've got to learn to be obedient to God. You've got to learn to make your life conform to God's standards. It's not my standards. Now, I try to have standards. I try to raise up standards. I have some standards that are really not the Lord's standards. They're, they're things. I don't wear shorts. I just don't wear shorts. And I didn't expect to get too many amens about that. And that's okay because you're, you're at liberty to wear shorts as long as they're not booty shorts. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching about all kinds of stuff, and I haven't even read the text, but I, I believe this is in order. Listen, ladies, dress modestly. Dress modestly. Uh, there, uh, I don't even want to say that. That would be a little bit immodest to say, but there are just some things that the rest of the world doesn't need to see. Amen. Uh, are you a whore? Are you a prostitute? And I would hope every woman in the world and the church would say, no, I'm not a whore. I'm not a prostitute. Then why advertise? That's what a whore is. That's what a prostitute is. She's somebody who's selling herself. Well, if you're not selling yourself, why advertise? Why try to put up the insinuation that I am for sale? And I have seen, I, it, it, unfortunately, unfortunately, it is not just a thing of worldly women doing that. It's a thing of Christian women doing that or professing Christian women doing that. And God help you, if you've got enough nerve, if you've got enough guts to come to the church... And, so, and, and conduct yourself in that manner. Remember, remember who, you, who you're coming before. We talked about on Wednesday night how that in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, remember, he said, keep your mouth when you come. Keep your foot, I believe, is actually what he says. Keep thy foot when thou comest into the house of God and be not ready to give the sacrifice of fools. 
You better remember who you're stepping in the presence of. You are coming in the presence of God's people. You are coming into the presence of people that have, are trying to learn to do right and trying to submit themselves. And, of course, there's some folks that come to church that ain't trying to do that. And we try to stir those people up so that they will get their heart right with God. But at the same time, you've got to remember that you cannot afford to be a distraction to God's people. You cannot afford to come to the house of God and detract from what the real purpose is in coming here. This is a holy place. You say, this is not a holy place. It is a holy place. The only reason it's not holy is if we do things here that make it unholy. Let's keep it holy. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it pure. That's the right way to do it. That's, that's, a, that's the best way to do it. And I believe the Lord will be pleased with us. I believe the Lord will be pleased with us. And I tell you, listen, I tell you, the church has lost her power with the world. The church has gotten to a place to where she has no more influence with the world. You know how she got there? She got there by trying to be like them. Yes, sir. We're not, we are not called to be like those people. We are called to be like Jesus Christ. We are called to follow in the Lord's footsteps, not the footsteps of this old world. But that's exactly what the modern day church has done. I was telling Brother Tommy before church, I sat down yesterday and watched a service of a church. And Brother Tommy apparently had watched it too. He said, I can't get past the singing. And not ironically, I couldn't get past it neither. I tried to fast forward. I, I just have a problem with a fellow who stands up and sings like he's a woman. I have a problem with a fellow who gets up and sings songs by a fellow named Big Daddy Weave. What did, what did you do? Get a, you're a quote-unquote Christian artist, which is ridiculous. How about just saying you sing? But nonetheless, he's a Christian artist. What did you do? Get a degree in basket weaving? Big Daddy Weave? That's... That's what, I guess that's what we've come to in Christianity. That's classified as Christianity. That ain't Christianity, my friend. It just, it ain't Christianity. I don't care how you feel about that. I don't care what you think about that. That's not Christianity. You say, what is it? I don't know. I'm not really trying to figure out. All I'm saying is that's not what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. We're supposed to be following the Lord. So let's look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and let's talk for a little while this morning. Let's preach a little while rather about choosing better friends. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us this morning. Pray you'd help me, God, Lord. I thank you for how you've helped me, Lord, this past week and stirred my heart up. Help me to see some things. And God, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to be a source of edification, Lord, to your people. Lord, if there's folks in here, God, that need to be rebuked, I pray that you'd help me to do that. Lord, if there's people that need correction, I pray that you'd help me to do that. God, if there's people in here that need instruction, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do that. God, help me, Lord, to do whatever it is that these people need. God, I know, Lord, beyond the shadow of a doubt, God, that you know what these people need. And God, I pray that you'd help me to fulfill my ministry this morning. Help me to fulfill my course, God, Lord, like you've laid out for me this morning. God bless. Lord, I got things written down here on paper, but God, I know, Lord, that you know what's in the hearts of these people. Lord, you know, God, where these people are dealing with things, struggling with things, God, or maybe whatever the case is going on in their heart. And God, I just pray that you'd help and bless us. God, touch this church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6, and let's look in verse 11. O ye Corinthians, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Now, Paul makes that statement quite a bit. He talks to people that he's led to the Lord as though they're his Children, he said in one place, I don't remember where it's at. I was trying to find it very quickly. He said, uh, he said, you're my sons. He said, I've begotten you in the gospel. I've begotten you in the gospel. And I know that a lot of times when we lead kids to the Lord, we talk to children and try to lead them to the Lord. Their understanding is not quite perfect, not just about spiritual things, but really about all kinds of things. And they'll say, well, oh, brother, so-and-so saved me. And I understand that that's not true. I, I understand that that's not right. But you can understand what they're saying, I think. I think you can dry, get, under, get the grasp in your mind about what they're saying. And Paul, in a sense, he talks about things that way. He doesn't ever come and say, I've saved you. I'm the reason that you're saved. But in another sense, he says, I am the reason you're here. 
I have begotten you through the gospel. So that's something, that's something to be praying about. You, you as a Christian, you are supposed to be leading other people to Christ. You are supposed to be reproducing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so when you do that, when you lead people to Christ, you have a vested interest in their life. Right? When I, I have three kids, one is missing, probably in the nursery. Okay, but I have three children and two of them sitting up here this morning. I have a vested interest in those children. That's, uh, that's my flesh and blood. That's my flesh and bone sitting right there. And so when they do the wrong thing, I'm interested. So I get down in their face and I say, you did that wrong. You better stop it. Don't do it again. Or, and yes, I still believe in, I still believe it's right. Let me tell you something, in case you're a liberal hiding in here this morning, which I don't think we've got any liberals hiding in here, but I just say this just for your edification. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the blueness of the wound cleanseth away evil. Not your nice words and fair speeches. Yes, sir. You have, sometimes, sometimes you're going to have to pull off a belt and administer that to the seat of education. Yes, sir, you're going to have to get a hold of them. I don't give a rip what DFAC says. I'm not talking about throwing your babies up against a wall. I'm not talking about finding whatever's close by and using that to beat them half to death. Some parents need their heads caved in with how they treat their children. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about this morning is exactly what Brother, Brother Spike said this morning. Sometimes you're going to have to tell your children no. And children, when mom and daddy tells you no, whether you're five years old or whether you're 15, when mom and daddy tells you, no, you need to learn to take that with a good attitude. No, nobody, no boss wants to deal with a 25-year-old or a 55-year-old spoiled brat who, when he's told no, he's, well, I just ain't coming back. <laughs> well, good. Thank God. We'll find somebody else to replace you that'll do what they're told. So learn to do what you're told now. Amen. Amen. That's, that, is, that is good preaching. Praise the Lord, preacher. That's good preaching. You need to learn to do what you're told. Well, Paul speaks to the people that he's led to Christ. He speaks to the people down at the church at Corinth. He speaks to them. He says, I speak as to, unto my children. He's got a vested interest. He's got a vested interest. So you take this, if you take this attitude, if you take this attitude, well, what I do in my house is my business, you're wrong. Now, I, I'm not, I am not coming down to anybody's house, right? We're not, we're not coming down to anybody's house to figure out what you're listening to or to figure out what you're drinking out of your refrigerator. You can go drink mud out of the creek for all I care. I, that's your business. I, I'm not going to come down and go through your television and see what channels you've been watching. I'm not going to do that. But we as pastors, we as preachers, we have a vested interest in your spiritual growth, in your spiritual development. We're concerned. And we have the responsibility, responsibility. We have the responsibility to stand up when you're doing things that aren't right and say, hey, that ain't right. You better knock that stuff off. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to knock it off, then you go ahead and head off to your own destruction. But you were warned. You were warned. You were warned. Uh, Brother Spike hit on this thing of love this morning. You know what the problem with the world right now is? The problem is not that people, it, it's not that people don't believe that we need to love each other. That's what the world is singing right now. The problem with love right now is that people can't define it correctly. You've been watching HBO for so long, you think love equates to two people fornicating in the backseat of a Chevy. That ain't love. You think that love is what makes you feel good. That ain't love. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he that hateth dissembleth with his lips. That's the guy that hates you. The dissimulation is hiding under a false appearance. He says one thing, but he's really thinking something else in his heart. He says one thing, he acts one way, but there's something different in his heart. That's dissimulation. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips. That's the guy who will tell you, oh, I love you. I really, he couldn't give a rip about you. Let me tell you something. If a fella, girls, if a fella tells you that he loves you and he, and he ain't got a job, you better can him as fast as you can because he don't know how to love nobody. You know what love does? Love makes you exercise responsibility. That's right. That's right. 
I told my wife when I got my job over here at the prison, I told my wife as soon as I got that job was making pretty good money for my age and for what I, before I was making, I was making real low money, real low money. But I started making quite a bit more, maybe one and a half times what I was making before. And I went to her and I said, you can quit your job. She said, what? I said, quit your job. She said, really? I said, yeah, absolutely. Quit. She quit. You say, why? Because it's my responsibility to take care of her. Now, I mean, if you want to go to work, you want to go to work, work, help yourself. Ladies, hey amen. I don't know what y'all got so quiet there for, but I, I ain't even preaching about friends yet. Y'all better liven up because this is going to be a long morning if you don't liven up. You better wake up. That's right. You, you want to go to work, you help yourself. Proverbs 31, she worked. That virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, she worked. But I'll tell you something, that fellow was out there working too. He's sitting out in the gates. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But anyways, all of that out of, like, we got a vested interest in you. What, what you do down at your house, we're concerned about. Right? Amen. Amen. We're concerned about that. But he says, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I don't care how, you, how hard you try. You're not going to be yoked up with an unbeliever. In, the, in a good way. You just can't. It, it's not possible. And there's a difference between coming into contact with unbelievers and being yoked up with them. You understand that concept? If I walk by and put my hand on a, on a jackass, that's not the same as getting in the yoke with him. If I walk by and talk to an ox, that's not the same as getting in the yoke with him. You understand that concept? Getting in the yoke with him is, hey, we've got a common goal. We're going to the same place. I'm not going to the same place as an unbeliever. We're going to different places. We're going to different worlds. I'm in a new world now. I'm just not going to the same place. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what conquered hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. You see that? You see what he just said there? He said, come out from among them and be ye separate. He said, come out and don't touch the unclean thing. Well, in the context, what unclean thing is he talking about? talking about people. He's not talking about the stuff that you may maybe take a toke off of. He's not talking about the stuff that you drink. He said, you, there's some people that you need to break away from. You're going to have to choose better friends. You're going to have to choose better associates. Yes, sir. Better people to hang around. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Now listen, there's no, there's no misunderstanding this morning, I hope, in this church. If you're saved in that sense, God's received you. God's accepted you. But there's also another acceptance that comes as a Christian. And that, I tell you, what, what you find here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is why God ain't accepting a lot of people. It's why he's not receiving a lot of folks hanging around the wrong people. You're just yoking up with people you ain't got no business Yoking up with. He said, I'll receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now the Bible says in the book of Romans, evil communications corrupt good manners. That's still true. It's still true. I don't care what's in your heart. I don't care what your intentions are. But I'm telling you, if you hang around the wrong people for too long, it ain't going to be very long before you start getting around folks and that stuff's going to rub off on you. It's going to start rubbing off on you. Evil communications, corrupt good manners. I'm not an advocate for being a hermit. I don't recommend locking yourself in a room, turning the lights off, and putting padlocks on the doors and never coming out and saying anything to anybody, including lost folks, including people that are not up to snuff. And those people are in existence, by the way. There are some folks that just don't measure up to the place where they need to measure up to. If they're lost, that's explainable. There's a reason why they don't measure up. But I'm not an advocate of locking yourself in a room, but I am an advocate of choosing good friends. 
Amen. And you know what? If you're going to choose good friends, listen to me. Listen to me this morning. If you're going to choose good friends, you know what that's going to do? That's going to narrow the number of friends that you have down real small. Some people, some people have this feeling that they have to have 1,500 friends at one particular time in their life. I, I just took advice from my daddy about that particular aspect of life. My dad said at any one time in my life, he said, I've been able to count my real true friends on one hand. I'd narrow it down quite a bit, won't it? Some of y'all can't handle that. You know why? You've got to be popular because life's about you. It's all about me. That's, that's, that's your theme song. Me, me, me. I've got to live in such a way to where everybody likes me. And that's why you choose idiots for friends. Amen. 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 That's good preaching. And what you don't understand is the more that you yoke up with those people, the worse off you're going to get. That's just the way it's going to go. That's just the way it's going to go. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Let us lay aside every weight. You know what that weight is? A lot of times that's not how fat you are. That weight a lot of times, don't, don't, don't croak on me for making a fat joke. You can handle that. Amen. Amen. I'll move on very quickly. Let us lay aside every weight. That's, that's not talking about how much you weigh. That's talking about things in this life that's attached to you that you're going to have to put off to the side. And you know what you're going to find out more often than not that weight is? It's people. It's people. Yes, sir. It's people. Jonadab. Amnon, rather. He was put up. He was put up to his wickedness of, of raping his stepsister by a friend. It's already, perversion was already in his heart. And it really strikes me. I tell you, brother, it really strikes me, sister in the Lord, it really strikes me how people choose friends according to what's already in their heart. Why is it, brother Pedro, why is it that people just don't tend often, very often, they don't tend to choose friends that are more spiritual than they are? Why, you ever wondered about that? I've tried to make that my life's ambition. Try to find somebody that's not as dumb as I am in the things of God. Try to find somebody that's not as dumb as I am in spiritual things. You know where a lot of Christians get messed up? They choose people to be friends with. They choose people to be associate, associates with that are just as dumb as they are. You, where you mess up is when you choose friends that are just as stupid as you are. I'm not stupid. You're dumber than you think. Yes, sir, you're dumber than you think. See, that we, it goes back to what I've been trying to teach you. Now I'm preaching it, but it goes back to what I've been trying to teach you through the book of Ephesians. You underestimate the power of your own flesh. You're a lot more wicked than you give yourself credit for. You're not as intelligent as you do give yourself credit for. Oh, I can figure out this. I can figure out how to join myself and yoke myself up with this person without getting infected. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're not going to sit down in the privacy of your own house and turn on a bunch of filth on that television and not come away evil affected for it. It just ain't going to happen. It just ain't going to happen. I was at somebody else's house uh, not too long ago, maybe within the last couple of years, and I turned on uh, one of those, they got one of those Roku televisions in their house, and I turned on Andy Griffith. Watching Andy Griffith? I mean, who, who could find fault with Andy Griffith? There's a lot of fault to find with Andy Griffith, by the way. A lot of, a lot of liberal agenda was being pushed even back then. But nonetheless, I was st sitting there watching that thing, and all of a sudden, here came up a commercial. I think it was either for Zell's or for K's, jewelry store. You know what they had on there? It wasn't a man and a woman. It was a woman and a woman. Right there kissing on television right in front of you. You know what I did? I said, click and I turned around went down to, to the back of the television and unplugged that thing I said no thank you I can do without Andy Griffith that's where you're going to have to get to that's where you're going to have to get to you're going to have to set your principles real high you're going to have to set your standards real high and when they begin to be violated by this old wicked world well sorry we'll just have to part ways we're not going together no more just the way that it is just the way that it is you know what friends are? They're like-minded people. They're like-minded companions. Yes, sir, they're people that think like you are. They think like you do. They have the same thought process. They got the same spirit that you do. Then if that's the case, why do you get along with some of the folks that you get along with? 
Why is it? Why is it that you're so interested in what the homosexuals and the transgenders are doing? I'm not interested in that. Why do you talk about them all the time? Hey, man. Hey, man. Something's wrong. That must be, that's where your mind's floating. That must be where your mind's drifting off to. Maybe what's going on is, you, you, know, you know that people are a product of how they've been influenced. You folks that are sitting in here this morning, you, every single one of it, you are a product of the way that you've been influenced, both good and bad. That's why it is so important for you to be in church listening to a preacher that's raking you over the coals every week and hanging around good godly Christians down at the house of God. You say, well, all of them are just a bunch of hypocrites down there. They ain't as big a hypocrite as you. And by the way, let me tell you something. That hypocrisy don't keep you from going down to Walmart. Don't keep you out of Burger King. And it sure don't keep you from watching all that trash on Hollywood, a bunch of people that make their living at being hypocrites. None of that trash is real down there. My boy, just going to turn that stuff right on. That's what's entertaining. Yes, sir. You know why there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church? You know why some of the biggest hypocrites are the fellows that stand behind this? Behind the sacred desk? It's a holy place. You know why they're hypocrites up here? Because the church has turned into entertainment got to figure out a way to keep everybody entertained. They ain't no more, they ain't no more genuine. They ain't no more sincere like Brother Spike was talking about in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Abraham, he left Ur the Chaldees. You know who went with him? Lot. But it wasn't very long when they got out of Ur of the Chaldees that Abraham and Lot parted ways. You say, where did they part ways? When Lot started getting an appetite for Sodom and Gomorrah. Adios, we got to part ways. Really, what, the, what caused that thing was some strife between the herdmen of Lot and the herdmen of uh, Abraham. But it's real interesting to me that Abraham gave him the choice and said, you go one way and I'll go the other. And, Abraham, and Lot looked over here and saw Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, that's the place for me. Looks like a place where I can make a lot of money and give my family all the great things that they need. Let me just tell you something this morning. Your family don't need all the things that you estimate they need. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If God will bless you and give you money coming out the yin-yang, then praise the Lord. Take all of it that you can get. Amen. Amen. But I tell you, uh, getting all that stuff ain't worth sacrificing church for. It ain't worth sacrificing your daily fellowship with God. There's just some things that you're just going to have to back up and say, it just ain't worth it. It just ain't worth it. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching. Good preaching. Where y'all at this morning? Y'all wake up this morning. Get with me. Abraham left Ur, left Ur the Chaldees, and he had to leave his nephew, Lot, behind. He had to leave him behind. You know what happened with Lot? He headed on down there because he had a love for the world, and he lost everything he had. He lost his family. He lost his shirt. He lost all of his possessions. When he left when he left Sodom and Gomorrah before God burned it to a cinder, before God burned it to a crisp because of those bunch of homosexuals down there, that's why God burned it down to the ground. When God burned it to the ground, he left Sodom and Gomorrah with nothing except what he had on his back and his two girls. He lost his wife in the process. You know what Lot had done? Lot had taught his wife to love the things of this old world more than to love the warning that God sent to him through two angels. Mm-hmm. Some of you folks, you're messing around with the wrong people. Yes, sir. You're messing around with this old wicked world. You, I'm not preaching. They can't pick me this morning. I'm preaching to People's Baptist Church. I know exactly where I'm at. Oh, Brother Nathan, there ain't nobody in here backslid. We're all good people. You ain't, you ain't good folks. You're just like me. You're just like me. You bunch of devils that struggle with your flesh on a day-to-day -day basis. And I tell you something. I tell you something. Some of you quit struggling. You ain't struggling no more because you just decided it ain't worth it. You're just going to start giving in to that mess. And I'm telling you, you're messing around with the wrong people, and it ain't going to be very long before you lose your shirt. Yeah. Is he preaching to me? Don't have to ask. Amen. Sure, sure. It's shoe fits wear it. Right? right? That's how we do things. That's how, that's how the Lord deal with your heart. Yes, sir. You're going to mess around with the wrong folks and you're going to lose your shirt. You're going to lose everything you had. You know what else lost, Lot lost? He lost his testimony. He lost his testimony, which is exactly where the church of Jesus Christ is today. She ain't got no more testimony and thus she ain't got no power with people. 
Let me tell you something. You ain't going to love people into getting saved. You ain't going to love them into getting saved. When a righteous man looks at a wicked man and says, well, it's okay, we're just going to love you, you ain't going to get them to where you're at. All you're doing is you're going to be the effective wash of their conscience that keeps them right where they are. That's all it's going to be. Paul took John Mark with him, and when Johnny deserted him and went home, Paul said, we ain't taking him back. You know what Paul estimated? It ain't good to take quitters with us. We're going to stay away from these quitters. Yes, sir. You know what I find interesting about that? I don't see anywhere else in the, in the New Testament where Barnabas is ever mentioned again. Barnabas and Paul split. Barnabas took John Mark, and Paul went out and got Silas, and then he got Timothy, and he found Titus. He started training those fellows. You see all those people in the Scripture. You never hear from Barnabas again. You do find John Mark a little later. Sure do. Paul said, bring me John Mark. He said, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. Something took place in John Mark's life to where I guess he, he showed himself faithful. See, people can get right with God, but at the point, I guess Paul's mentality was, well, serve, serve God there in your home church. We tried to take you with us. You quit. We can't slow down. Can't slow down. Paul had a lot of stuff going on. Paul had a lot of stuff going on. He had to get stuff in order, and so he just couldn't afford to just take quitters with him. That's right. Let me say, first of all, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, let me just say this. Some people never learn. That's point number one. Since y'all are so interested in an outline, I know everybody's interested. Got all your pens out, and you're going to write this outline down so you can preach it sometime. Point number one, some people never learn. You know who we're dealing with in 2 Corinthians? It's the same folks we was dealing with in 1 Corinthians. The church at Corinth. You know what they dealt with at 1 Corinthians chapter 5? They had a hard time putting somebody out of the assembly that was messing around with their stepmother. Well, it looks to me like in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, they still ain't got this all ironed out. Some folks just never learn. Some folks just don't get it. I just don't want to be too hard. Why not? How about getting you a little bit of a hard nose? That way when you get punched in it, it won't bleed so quick. Because that's coming. I'm not talking about physically, although that might come. Some of you might need that this morning. Uh, if Brother Curtis was here, we'd get him to take care of that for you, because I sure ain't. My, my nose is a little fragile myself. But I'll tell you what, you're going to get to a place where you're going to get punched in the nose in this Christian life. And you're going to have to toughen up, buttercup. You're going to have to quit being a sissy. You're going to have to quit taking a soft stance towards not just lost folks, save folks that have backslidden and got cold on God. You're going to have to do that. I just don't want to be too hard. Some folks need you to be hard with them. Well, I, I just want to help these people. Uh, a, there was a fella in the Old Testament and a prophet came to him. He said, he, I got it wrote down here. He said, shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? I just, I just want to help people. God said that the ungodly people don't need no help. Who am I going to believe, you or the Lord? I'm going to go with God. I don't care what your intentions are. I don't care how you feel about it. You're wrong. God's right. I just, I just think that we could really help those people out. Let me ask you something. What help do you have to offer to those people down at your house that they couldn't get at God's house? Why can't you fellowship with them here? Why go down to their house? Why not let them come right down here, let them get preached to? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, because they don't like what goes on here. They don't like what goes on down at God's house. And so you can lower the standards down at your house to where they'll feel comfortable, but you're going to have a hard time lowering the standards here. And so just come over to my house, and we'll pat you on the back, and everything will be okay. And it ain't going to be okay. All you're doing is lying to them. And you're lying to yourself. You ain't got no help down at your house. You ain't got no help down at your house. You ain't got no help down at your house that can't be offered to them down here at the house of God. You know what's down here that ain't at your house? Preaching. Preaching. You know what helps people? Preaching. Preaching helps people. Amen. I'll just throw this in here. You know what else helps people? Giving money in the offering plate. 
Oh, that don't help nobody. Well, it helps you a lot more than giving money to Verizon. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All you're doing in paying Verizon is keeping the lines of communication open for you to gossip about folks if you do that. Hey, man, sure did get quiet right there. I hope you ain't doing that, but if you are doing that, you better stop or quit paying your bill and let them cut it off. Oh, there ain't nobody gossiping in this church. Well, I don't know, but I know people. Boy, we sure do love to talk about other people. And I will say that there's an element of that to where that's going to happen. You're going to have to be prepared for that. But nonetheless, that's a different sermon for a different time. Still true. Your house ain't going to help folks. And it ain't going to help folks. Listen, your house ain't going to do nothing for nobody that's left God's house. Right? They ain't going to pack up their bags from the church. They're not going to pack their bags up from the assembly of God's people and run on down to your house and get something extracurricular down there that's going to radically change them. You know, we've had a lot of folks that have left this church, and you know what's going to have to happen for them to get right with the Lord, Brother Pedro? They're going to have to come right back to the place where they got off the train, and they're going to have to get right back on at that place. That's where they're going to have to get back on. That's, I know some of you don't believe that, but it don't make no difference to me. I, I wish I could get you to see it. But that, maybe the reason you don't see that is because you don't see that that's where you're going to have to get back on the train. Yes, sir. People that have gotten wrong with God, they're going to have to get right with God where they got off the train. I just don't understand why Brother Nathan said so-and-so. Well, that's the place where they're going to have to come back to the Lord and get right with him. Yes, sir. Let me not get too, hard, uh, too far ahead of myself. Let me say this. There is such a thing as prudence. There is such a thing as prudence. Listen, if somebody gets mad with God and leaves the house of God and leaves the assembly of God's people to go to a more carnal place or to drop out altogether and you going down there and fellowshipping with them, why do you think it is that you're not going to get burned? Where's the checks? Where's the thing that's on the inside that's going to keep them from, from violating their own conscience? Where's the thing that's going to keep them from doing what they're not supposed to be doing? They're out, of, out from underneath the influence of preaching. They're out from underneath the influence of good godly fellowship. Praise the Lord. This is good preaching. It's good preaching whether you'll say amen or not. It's right. It's true preaching. It's clean preaching. Yes, sir. You, but some folks never learn. These folks didn't. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers unless they're friendly. That's not what it says. Be not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers unless they're nice. My soul, I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody mention the word nice. And I don't find, I don't think I remember where nice is in the Bible, at least not in the context that you're talking about it. Bible does say, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiven one another. Boy, it sure is quiet in here, but it's true nonetheless. Get right, get right. Quit, quit messing around with folks that you know ain't going to be good for you. Quit messing around with folks that ain't going to be good for you. You know they ain't going to be good for you. Yes, sir. Let me say number two. What you estimate to be grace is really what's going to damn you. They're going to send you to hell, but it's going to destroy your life. It's going to rip you from limb to limb. It's going to tear you apart. Yes, yes sir. I'm just trying to be gracious. No, some Christians are too gracious with folks. Oh, my soul. Who could speak against being gracious with people? Some folks are too gracious with people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Listen, if you've got a 26-year-old boy living in your house, and you're a Christian, and you don't believe in drinking and booze, and he's drinking booze, grace is not letting that sucker stay there. That's, giving him, that's enabling him to keep drinking booze. But since it got so quiet there, let me just tell you, quit drinking booze. Just quit. Quit drinking liquor. Quit drinking beer. Quit drinking wine. Quit whining while you're at it. Amen. I want a little cheese with that wine, do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, preacher, preaching so hard. I ain't preaching hard this morning. I still, I have not left, lost the smile that's in my heart. I got so much joy in my heart this morning, it's pitiful. 
Amen. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to tell you, you're going to, you are going to kill yourself with what you're calling grace. I just want to help some people. Some folks are not looking for grace. Those people that you're trying to help, they don't want grace. They want a paycheck. Listen, the Bible says, I quoted it just a minute ago. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You know what God starts to do with people that are living wrong? At some point, not immediately all the time, but at some point, God's going to cut off the spout of blessing. They, they're going to have to start manipulating people. They're going to have to start pulling strings and stepping on folks to get up. Or they're going to have to start asking for a handout. And you know who they're going to go to to ask for a handout? Because, I mean, who could be more generous than God's people? I mean, God's the church. You know when, when gals get into a place to where they've gotten pregnant out of wedlock and they're laid up in some kind of single-wide trailer, some single-wide shack, I should say. It ain't even a mobile home no more. It ain't even no more trailer. It's a shack. They get laid up out there and because they've been doing drugs and beating their kids like they ain't supposed to and the money gets cut off, you know who they call? People's Baptist Church. Hey, I, I need somebody to pay my bills. Well... That's why God gave you two feet and two arms. Listen, I'm not saying I say that every time, but I'm telling you, I'm very skeptical about who I give money to. You say, why? Because there's folks in this church that could use it. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm not, not going to help. I'm not going to help folks that ain't trying to do the right thing. That's not looking for help. That's looking for an enablement. That's looking... That is looking so that you can alleviate my problems that I've caused by not living right, by not doing the right thing. And listen, I, I, can, I can write a check for some undisclosed amount of money and hand it to you, but if you're not going to do the right thing, if you're not going to submit yourself to God's principles, you'll blow through that check in a matter of seconds, and you'll be right back in the same problem you've always been in. Get your heart right with God. God will start blessing you, and then you can quit taking a check, and you can start giving one. You, you come. You come to our next couple of classes on the book of Ephesians. We're going to hit that. Ephesians chapter, one, or Ephesians chapter 4 tells you, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, so that he can lay it up in his bank account. That's not what it says. So that he can work with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have... To give to him that needeth. Well, Brother Nathan, I have a need. Well, when are you going to get to the place to where you quit being so needy and you start giving? I, listen, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I am not saying. I don't give a rip what you think about this. I, I care else I wouldn't go through this. But in, in another sense, some folks just get all uptight about this stuff. Uh, there, there's a sense in which I understand that people get on hard times. I've been there myself. I got on a hard time one time, Brother Pedro, to where I didn't know how I was going to pay my next month's rent. And I was out here playing with some kids one day, and the ball ran across the road. A fella drove up and stopped, let me go get the ball, and I ran back the other way. And about a week or two later, that fella brought me an envelope filled with $500, five $100 bills. You say, what was that? That was the, exactly the amount that I needed for my rent. I'm not, I'm not saying that God won't help take care of that stuff. I'm not saying that God's people shouldn't help take care of that stuff. All I'm saying is there's going to have to come a time to where you're the one that's giving. You're the one that's investing in people. Maybe what's going on, maybe the reason you're so broke is because you're helping people that you shouldn't be messing with. Bible says, the Bible says that if you'll do the right thing, if you'll lay up in God's storehouse, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That doesn't mean that nothing bad is ever going to come. It doesn't mean that around your house nothing is ever going to break. You still live in a sin-cursed world. That curse is still existence, even in existence even on people that God's blessing. But I'm telling you, a lot of people go through a lot of hardship, a lot of heartache because they just mess around with folks they don't need to be messing with. I, I, that's God's honest truth. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What you estimate be grace is really what's going to kill you. I mentioned it a minute ago, but I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to mention it again. You being around folks, you being around folks that have backslid and gotten cold on God, I'm not talking about saying hello. I'm not talking about being charitable. I'm not talking about being kind and passion. I'm talking about being buddies. I'm talking about yoking up with them. Yes, sir. What you're doing, what you're doing is you are being the effective wash of conscience that they need to look at themselves and say, say, I, I ain't done nothing. 
I know nothing wrong. And it's going to hurt them, but it's going to come back and bite you. Yes, sir, it's going to hit you right where it hurts the worst. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, I didn't do anything wrong. You know what's damned people's Baptist church? Go ahead. Let's get real tight. I'm going to tell you what's destroyed this church. And I'm not talking about in my tenure. I'm talking about in my tenure when Brother Mike was here and when my dad was here. You know what's destroyed this church? When a preacher gets up and says something that the congregation estimates to be, oh, I don't know about that, and somebody gets mad with it and leaves the church, somebody go right up next to them and slide right around them and say, hey, I ain't seen you at church. What's going on? Well, old Brother so-and-so said such-and-such and it made me mad. Yeah, I don't know why he would say something like that, but let's have grace with him and come on back. That's damned this church. That's destroyed this church. And I just, I'm going to just tell you this morning, I'm going to be straight with you. I'm not sure this church is going to recover from it. I know it ain't going to recover from it unless you quit. I've said some wild stuff, Brother Pedro, from this pulpit. I've said some wild stuff. I know that. But I'll be honest with you. A lot less of it has been wrong than you estimate. Yes, sir. That's true. I've heard Brother Mike say a lot of things from this pulpit that when he said it, and until he left, I thought, mm, I'm not sure about that. I don't think that's right. When he left, I began to see that a lot of it was true. Every bit of it should have been said. Said a lot of wild things from this pulpit. That's not what's damned this church. What's damned this church is a bunch of Christians walking out of this church, out of this building, and go around to all those people that got mad and left and saying, I just don't understand why that preacher said that thing. Let me just say it as plainly as I can. You're what's killed this church. You are, not some preacher. There, ain't no, there, hasn't been three, there hasn't been a preacher here within the last 10 years that's run off with another man's wife. There ain't been a preacher here in the last 10 years that has filled his life with smoking or cursing or cussing. There are preachers here for the last 10, I don't know, maybe 15 years, those preachers have gotten in their study and they've studied the Bible and they've prayed. That ain't what's killing this church. What's killing this church is a bunch of backslidden Christians who are running around town here in Folkestone and maybe down in Hilliard or maybe down in Callahan or maybe down in Jacksonville or maybe over in St. Mary saying, I just can't believe those preachers would say something that crazy. You need somebody to say crazy things to you. You're what's killed in this church. I just don't understand why people don't come to People's Baptist Church and get saved. It's because you're running them off. The moment that God leads a preacher to say something to you that seems crazy and off the wall, that's the thing, that's the edge that God's trying to put on that sinner and begin to work on their heart and get them to see, you ain't all what you think you are. And by that time, by the time they just about get to the verge to where they're convinced, some Christian from this church comes around, puts their arms around and says, yeah, that preacher was crazy for saying that, wasn't he? I'm, I'm sorry that our preacher's just, you know, he's young, he'll learn. Okay, you damned this church. If you've done that, you're the one that's messed this church up, not me. You like it or lump it, you get upset with me however you want to get upset with me, but you're the one that's messed it up. Shut your mouth. Shh. It's not, listen, it's not about a preacher getting his feelings hurt because people are talking about him. I've been doing this thing for about two years, and I have realized that is just the nature of the way that things are. If you don't want people to talk about you, you probably shouldn't have taken the church, Brother Nathan. That's just the way it's going to roll. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. But people are going to talk. But I will say objectively, you talk, and it's going to damn this church. It's going to destroy it. This church will never come up out of the ashes. You know where we're at in Folkestone, Georgia? This ain't in my notes, but this is right. You know where we're at in Folkestone, Georgia? This is, a, this is a church that is filled with people that have gotten mad with some preacher or some Christian, 
This county is filled with them. This is not filled with a bunch of sinners who are reprobates, although they are. It's not filled with Christians. It's not filled with people, though, that have never heard the name of Jesus. It's not filled with a bunch of people that have never been familiar with the things of God. It's filled with people whose mamas and daddies have gotten saved as the result of Tom Murphy over there at Camp Pickney Baptist Church. Southern Baptist Church, that fellow's led a lot of people to Christ in this area. He, he ain't here no more. But that fellow's led a lot of souls to Christ. You know what happened to a lot of those folks? They got mad. They got bitter because some stupid Christian said something or because the preacher said something that was right and they didn't want to grow. And so they packed their bags and left. And a bunch of dumb Christians went around and said, Oh, I'm sorry, old Brother Murphy said such and such. I didn't even know that was true. I'd just taken a stab in the dark. That's what's killing this county. This county, this county is not going to have another church in it until Christians learn to hush their mouth and quit consoling people that God is trying to deal with. Shut your mouth. You say, I'm not going to shut my mouth. Then you will have to meet with the Lord. God will have to deal with you. I, I really am. I, I, I don't want to get myself no more, Brother Spike. I don't want to get myself no more to where I get wrapped up around the axles trying to get people to submit to the Lord. I really want the Lord to work on your heart. I really want God to deal with you. But I'm telling you, you are keeping God from dealing with other people's by consoling. You say, well, I think what you said was wrong. Then how about just praying about it? How about praying over it? You ain't going to do that if you ain't praying already. See, we're not, listen, we're not just preaching about praying. We're not just preaching about teaching, uh, about reading your Bible like Brother Spike hit this morning. We're not doing that just because we ain't got nothing better to say. That's the thing that's going to help keep you from running your mouth. That's the thing that's going to help keep you out of trouble. Right. Yes, sir. That's, that's the thing that God's going to use to help you. That's the thing that God's going to use to help build this church. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 He's young. He'll learn. I hope I don't ever. I hope I stay just as mean and as ornery as I am right now. I don't mean that. But I know what you're estimating to be mean and ornery. I hope I keep that. I hope I, hope I, I, hope I grow up. I know I got a lot of room for improvement, Brother Pedro. But there again... It's a place of improvement where I don't think a lot of Christians are right about. Yeah, amen. That's right. What you're estimating to be room for improvement is where I quit preaching about sin and quit, quit nailing your hide against the wall. That's not improvement. That's compromise. Yeah, right. And I hope I never quit. Amen. I'm not looking to die no time soon, but I hope the Lord takes me out before I quit preaching that way. Amen. That's right. yeah. amen. Amen. That's right. Let me ask you point number three, and then we'll cut you loose. Why are you comfortable around those folks? Look at the text. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's the message. Here's the reason. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Why do you find it so easy to fellowship with unrighteous people? You ever taken vinegar and water or vinegar and oil and put it in a container, shook it up with some seasoning and pour it on your salad and then set it down? Y'all don't eat salad, do you? Steak and taters around here. Set that thing down, eat, and you turn over and look and watch that oil. What's it doing? It's separating. Let me use an illustration that's a little bit more understandable around here. Everybody works on their own vehicles and their own lawnmowers. You take a pail of oil and you set it out in the yard because we're all environmentally friendly. We set it out in the yard and it rains. That stuff don't mix too well, does it? <clears throat> I had a thing of uh, power steering fluid in my backyard that I left, and it rained and rained, and buddy out at my house, it floods. I went out there, and I looked in all that water out there behind the dog's kennel, and you know what I saw all out there? It was all red. I was like, man, she got a bad UTI or something. No, stupid, that's that power steering fluid that you forgot to put away. All them crawfish are dead, man. All these little minnows floating up to the surface. That's right, oh well, it's right. 
Curtis probably mad at me. No more fishing bait. But they don't mix. Righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness does not mix with unrighteousness. So if you have an easy time getting around unrighteous people, you know what that says about you? Whether it's true or not, which I say it is because that's what the Bible says. If you have an easy time getting around unrighteous people, it says that you're not righteous. Well, I'm just trying to help them. There's a difference between coming in contact with folks and trying to point the path out to them the right way and then buddying up with them. That's not helping. That's hurting you. That's taking oil and vinegar and trying to mix it together or it's taking vinegar and vinegar and mixing it together and there's no problem there. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? There is something about you, if you're living right, if you're living clean, there's something about you that should be very nervous when you get around wicked people. Ain't that right? If you're living right, ladies, and you're dressing modestly, then there should be something about you that gets very nervous around ladies that are not dressed modestly. You know why some ladies don't have a problem with other ladies that dress weird? Because that's what's in their heart. You know why some fellas don't have a problem laughing at dirty jokes and listening to the filthy conversation of the wicked down at the workplace? Because that's what's in their heart. Well, I ain't never let it come out of my, my mouth. Then why are you comfortable about it, around it? Something's not right. I just, you know, I love people. I heard, I heard a preacher yesterday. I heard a preacher yesterday. God bless his pea-picking heart. I just, I'd rather be compassionate than be mean. No, that's not what you're talking about. Let me read you something. You ready? I, I know you're ready to go home, but that's okay. The Lord's not done yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Charity suffereth long. Oh, see there, preacher? Long suffering. That's right. Well, watch, watch what else. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. You know what charity will make you do? Charity will make you conform to God's standards. I'm not trying to be different. I'm trying to just be God's way. If that makes me different, then okay, we'll deal with that. But I'm not trying to be different. I'm not trying to be necessarily, I want to be the best Christian I can, but I'm not looking at the rest of God's people saying, how can I distinguish myself from all of these sinners? I'm one of them. I'm one of them. But I want to love the Lord with all of my heart. I want to have charity in my heart. And what that does is that makes you fit. It makes you fit. Vaunteth, she vaunteth, well, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. You know what charity does? She squirms around wickedness. Somebody come in letting GD fly here and blank this, some cuss words you can't even insinuate in church for fear of getting it in people's minds. Vile, vile stuff. Blank this, blank that. You know what, you know what happens if you love the Lord? You know what happens if you really love people? There's something about that that makes you direly uncomfortable. Ooh, make you, something in your gut just kind of sink. Oh, I don't like that. You know what's going on with some of you this morning? You've got comfortable around that. It's okay. It's not offensive anymore. Still offensive to God, but it's not offensive to you. What's going on? What's going on, Christian? Not as warm as you used to be? Your cold affections? Look at what else he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Why, why is it that folks that believe right have no problem fellowshipping with folks that don't believe right? You're not going to help them. 
If they didn't get no help from a church, what are you going to do to help them? Brother Pedro, if somebody comes to me and says, I believe this, I, I understand that there's some things, very few things. Let me just put it that way. Let me just get back to the point. Somebody comes to me and says, I believe this, and it's wacky, you're not going to find me going out to eat with them. I went out to eat with one fella one time who believes that the church is going through the tribulation. After I found out that he believed that the church is going through the tribulation, I went out to eat with him one time. And the reason I went out to eat with him was to tell him, hey, your wife is making jokes about transgender people, making light of it. Oh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I bet you did. She ain't stopped. I told him. I don't go over there no more. I don't talk to him. I'm not trying to be his buddy. You say, why? Oh, don't you want him to come to church here so that he can get some help? I'd love for him to, but he ain't going to. Not until he gets his heart right. You say, what are you going to do? I'm going to just stay away and pray for him. I pray God will send something in his life to get his attention. And he'll start looking for some answers. Listen, people that believe wrong about doctrinal matters, they believe wrong for a reason. Yes, sir. Bible says in 2 Peter, talking about false prophets in 2 Peter chapter 2, he says he goes through there and he preaches about false prophets. He says, they that are, are clean are escaped from those that live in error. There's a reason that people get sucked into false doctrine. Now, living clean. You want to get sucked in? Well, hanging around them is not going to help. Well, I know the difference. I know my Bible. Do you, kids? How about just doing right just for the sake of setting the right example in principle for your children? Amen. Righteousness with unrighteousness. What, what communion hath light with darkness? What conquered hath Christ with Belial? There's no agreement there. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? You know where I fit in? Brother Chris, you know where I fit in? I fit in with God's people. These are the people that I love. These are the people that I fit in with. There's just not a whole lot of people here to fellowship with. Something's wrong with that. Because there are. I don't know, listen, I don't know of anybody in this world that would put up I say this, I'm not saying this to be a jerk. You know it's true. You with all of your faults, you with all of your shortcomings, I don't know of anybody in this world that would put up with you with all of that stuff like the people that are found right here in this building. Tell me you got past that, Lord God have mercy, you wouldn't want nobody to find out about. And I don't blame you. And yet you got saved, and boy, there's folks right in this church that will love you. And you can't fit in here well enough to where you've got to go find somebody to fit in with out there. Let me be very clear before I close. I'm going to close. Let me be very clear before I close. I'm not talking about not being a witness. I'm not talking about not being kind or friendly or approachable when you witness. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you taking an interest in the things that they're interested in and it's ungodly. You come over to my house, I'll go over to your house. I'm, I'm, I'm not going over to your house if you don't believe right, if you're unrighteous. Oh, but then that would mean that we're better than somebody else, aren't you? Unless you just want to live a scallywag life, just live like everybody else, just want to do everything else that everybody else wants to do. It's your call, not me. I want to live right. I want to live clean. And if you estimate that to be uncompassionate, if you estimate that to be unkind, then you'll just have to argue with the Scripture. I want to do it God's way. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us this morning. Lord, I thank you, God, for the liberty to preach. God, I pray you take your word and help people. God, deal with them. God, strengthen them. Edify them. God, help us, Lord, to be better for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. You're dismissed.